It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. Are you all getting ready for summertime? It's going to be here pretty before you know it. And uh, so you need to get your, uh, get your act together for the summer. And uh, today's, th- is this Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, so we got some folks that are gone, and uh, this this morning um, we, we we just want to take a moment and remember those who have given their lives for our country. You know, they say freedom is not free, and we are very grateful uh, for those who have served in our military, our armed forces. Many have given their lives, and uh, my land. I don't know how many of you have ever gone to any of our national monuments. And stood at the the foot of some of those that have listed the names of men and women who have given their very lives for our freedom. Uh, I have on numerous occasions and stood there and wept, humbled uh, for the gift of a life for me that I could like live in a free America. Amen. Amen. I wonder how many of you would be uh, willing to stand who have served in the armed forces for us. Would you just stand wherever you are? Just stand for a moment, would you? Those who have served in the military. You represent, yes, yes. Continue standing. Uh, you represent for us. Please continue standing just for a moment, folks. Uh, you represent for us this morning those who have uh, served and many have given their lives. Perhaps some of them are your buddies, your your mates. And I, I, do, I just want to take a moment and thank God today. Thank God for America. Um, we, we have a wonderful nation. It was established on some pretty awesome foundations, the Ten Commandments for one. Um, and we're losing that. We're losing that. But men and women like you have served for us for the cause of freedom around the world. And we don't want to take that for advantage, advantage of that. So take a minute. With, would, would, would you church with me? And let's just thank God. Lord, um, thank you today for America. Thank you for the call of America. Thank you for the um, foundation, those principles that have guided us and led us to be a great nation. Thank you for... The Ten Commandments, which our laws were built on, right out of the Word of God. Uh, Thank you for our initial schools that taught people how to read and write right out of the Bible. Lord, that was a great foundation. And men and women have died for that and paid the life for others in other countries who have also desired freedom of worship. And Lord, um, so thank you for these men and women today in our church who have served you. They represent for those all around our nation today. 
um, who we remember, especially tomorrow on Memorial Day. Lord, bless them. May we, may we really appreciate today. Stop and think about the sacrifice that's been given for us. And for this, we give you praise and glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for uh, allowing us to share with you. Well, hey, this morning, um, thanks for being here, taking time. And uh, uh, is it heating up over here? See, we already got the guy working on the air conditioning. I told you summer's coming. And this is one of the first ways we know is because Jason takes care of the air conditioning for us. You feel it yet? I don't. Well, Jason's working on it. Hey, well, um, this morning I want you to open your Bibles to a New Testament passage in Second Timothy, a letter, a letter written to a young man by the name of Timothy from a guy, an older guy by the name of Paul. Most of you are familiar with the guy by the name of Paul the Apostle um, who wrote this, this letter, but he wrote it to this young guy, Timothy. And, and one of the things I, I want to encourage you with today is, is what the Bible says about the promises of God for his people. Did you know God has promised us, his people, those who worship him, Thousands and thousands of promises. Over 80 or 8,000 promises in the Word of God. Over 7,000 just from God to mankind alone. Thousands of promises. I used to have a book in my library called All the Promises of God. It was a very thick book. It went through all the promises that God has given to us. And one of, the, one of my favorite verses about promises in the Bible is in 2 Corinthians. It says... All God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Is that short enough we can all say it together? All God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And it'd be a yes with an exclamation point. All God's promises. All 8,000 of them plus. All 7,000 plus for mankind are yes. It's like a stamp of approval. I'm going to prove to you my promise is true. And he gives Jesus... His son is a stamp of approval that what I say is true. I'm giving you my son. And if that doesn't prove it, nothing will. So I want to talk to us this morning about the promises of God. And by the way, um, we've we've sung about these promises in the Bible. Uh, Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Anybody remember that old hymn? What was it? Page 472 in the hymnal, I think. (laughs) Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. How many remember that one? Standing, standing. Yeah. We sing those songs. We sing our theology. Standing on the promises of God. And our text this morning is 2 Timothy. Uh, We're going to kind of look through the book. It gives us one of the greatest promises of God. For you and for me. And it's written to encourage us. Anybody here need some encouragement? Hopefully this will encourage you. I think it's one of the greatest promises of God in all the scripture. And there are four words. Say that with me. Four words. Four, four words. So you got it. How many words? Four words. Now I'm going to say more than four words by the way. But there are four words I'm going to lift out of each one of these chapters. One in each chapter. 
that are the focus of the encouragement, instructing believers to be Christ followers in their day and age. Four words. They stand up, they testify, they proclaim that God's promises are true. So we're going to read a few verses. You'll get a picture of it, and then we're going to come back and look at these four words. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed, same sign, motion carried. Okay. Love the way we do that around here. Stand, would you, for the reading of God's word, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, initially. Now, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Boy, I'd like to preach on that just for a while. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. According to, here it comes now, the promise of life. That is in Christ Jesus. Did you know that Jesus promises life? Here's the promise. The promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says to Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God. (laughs) Don't you love those words? Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father. In Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we had time to read the rest of these verses in chapter 1. He talks about his prayers. His tears. His passion for the people. And for Timothy himself. Now in chapter 2. Let's pick it up again verse 1. You then my son Timothy. Be strong in the grace. That is in Jesus Christ. By the way, did you notice he didn't say be strong in judgment? Be strong in condemnation? Be strong in what? No, he says be strong in the grace. There's a lot of grace in God. There's in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown until he competes according to the rules. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer. Well, he should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Now, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Wow. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word's an inspired word. It's a trustworthy word. We can, we can count on this word. We can base our life on this word because it's your word, your love letter to us. Lord, illuminate now our minds this morning. Hide the messenger behind the cross. Anoint the lips of the messenger that we might see Jesus the Christ crucified, dead, resurrected again. For our sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Well, I have found, thank you, brother. I have found that, uh, and you've heard me say it before, but let me say it again. It's so apropos here. That the average person in America today, the average person in our world, they're not asking if there's life after death. They're facing enough in the world today. They're wondering if there's life after birth. Stress is up. Suicides are up. Confusion is up. People are wandering, looking for the truth. And they want to know, can I live today? Not after I die. Today is their life. But here is a promise of life. (laughs) Abundant life. Life everlasting. Life that starts now and goes forever and ever and ever. Life that never ends. One translation says, life to the full. Life that is awesome. (laughs) A life that is unbelievable. That's the promise of God today. Life abundant. And it's a promise from God. And by the way, God always keeps his word. (laughs) He's not like us. Sometimes we goof up, huh? Not God. When God promises something, you can count on it. It's God's promise. And Jesus, God's son, he literally said, I have come that you might have life and that you can have it to the full, abundantly, maxed out. Is that what you experience today? I got to tell you, sometimes, literally, I'm not just preaching. I'm telling you the truth. Now, wait a minute. That didn't sound right. (laughs) Sometimes I wake up at my age and I say, God, could it be any better than this? I mean, literally on on earth. Now, I don't have a a stress-free life. I don't, everything's, but my life is so full. I can't believe it. Does anybody ever feel like that? And And I wake up literally and I say, God, Thank you so much for all your blessings in my life. I feel like today I experienced life to the full because of you. I know it's not because of me. And I say, thank you, God. And I begin to list all the blessings of God in my life. And I go, woo, this is pretty cool. I not only have salvation, I got all this good stuff. I got a wife that loves me who's put up with me for almost 50 years. Woohoo! that's a big one right there. I got grandkids that love me. I got children that love me. I don't know how life could be much better. Except for the dog. Dog dog sometimes causes me problems. But I'm telling you, this, this is a promise that you can count on. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's promising life to us. And can't you just see our world dying to have life, but they don't know where to go? And Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. He's not an option. He's not like an option on a test, like, uh, uh, you know, multiple choice. I used to hate multiple choice as a student. I, I, you know, I was never the best student in the world till later on in life when I did my master's and my, my, my graduate stuff. And I love that. But, man, I hated multiple. Anybody here hate multiple choice? 
You know, you got A, B, C, D. You might as well have E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and you only get to choose one. What are the odds? You know, Lynn and I, we used to, I hate to admit this, but it's, it's true. Might as well get it out. We used to live in California, A. Yeah, we've been forgiven, though. We've been Idahoans now for a number of years. Over a couple decades, actually. But uh, anyway, so uh, when Lynn and I moved from California, A, we moved to Idaho Falls for about 14 years. We pastored there. And when we moved, we had to go, uh, you know, change our licenses and license plates. So I told Linda, I'm going down to uh, get my license. I went down there, and I, I, I asked for the test. There was a little old lady. Uh, she was probably my age, but, man, I, I don't know that I looked that old. But she's about my age, and there she was. And I said, I need a test. I'm going to take a license. Oh, where are you from? I'm from California. Oh, okay. Well, she gave me a test. I went over. I filled the test out. I came back. I slapped it down to her. I said, okay, I'm ready. She takes out a red pen. Literally, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. She, she looks over. I can still see her to this day. I'm standing this close to her. She, she takes that pen out. And first answer, uh, if you come to a stop sign, you... I'm going, one's not bad out of 15. You know, that's not bad. She comes to the second one. If you were to... A, B, C. Uh-oh. Now, how many of you can you have wrong? Five? Okay, someone knows five. I'm getting a little concerned. She goes on to the next one, and, and she goes, she reads it out loud. So she stops, and she looks at me in the eyes. And she said, now, Mr. Moore, which was my first clue, Mr. Moore, if you were to answer this question again, what answer might you choose? She was giving me a clue. Something was wrong. I go, um, I know it wasn't A, because that's the one I chose. <laughs> Could it be C? Oh, good answer, Mr. Moore. That, you got that one correct. <laughs> she comes to the next one. Literally, she comes to the next And she goes, now, Mr. Moore, this one here. <laughs> Luckily, one of them was true or false. Now, Mr. Moore, if you were going to answer this, how might you? False? Oh, good answer, Mr. Moore. <laughs> And I walked out of there with my license because someone gave me grace. Well, I tell you, when we moved to Oregon, I told Linda, I'm going to go down and get me one of them little study books. I'm going to study. And sure enough, I came home with a perfect score. And then when I came back to Idaho again, I told my wife, I'm going to go down and get one of those little study books. And I done okay. I'll tell you what. Jesus is not multiple choice. He's the only way. It's not any A, B, C, D, or E, or F. Jesus said, I am the way. I I am the truth. And and by the way, I am the life. You can hang your hat on that. Did you know that? You can hang your... You know what that means, hang your hat? Used to be when somebody gave you the hat in the old... That means you're heading for the door. But no, no, no. It means... And when you can hang your hat on something, that means it's true. You can believe it. Ah, I got a plethora of hats. I, I knew you were wondering about that. Now you've seen one of these hats. This is one of my favorite hats. This is my cowboy hat. When I want to look like a cowboy, I put my hats on. My, 
and I'm ready to go now. I'm telling you what, you can hang your hat on Jesus. I don't care what kind of hat it is. He's the way, the truth, and life. I even got an Oregonian hat. Some of you never thought I had hair. But now I do. Now we all know that, you know, God only made a few perfect heads. And the rest he put hair on. Right? So uh, I'm telling you what, I don't care what kind of hat you have. You can hang it on Jesus because Jesus is the way. It's the promise of God. And it says right here in his word, it's a promise of life. It's abundant life. It's the promise that is in Christ Jesus. And in verse 10, Paul reminds Timothy of just what Jesus accomplished. He had died on a cross. I love the way he put this quote unquote. He destroyed death. And he's brought life. And immortality to light through the gospel. (laughs) Don't you love that phrase? He's destroyed death. Listen, we're all going to die, but you don't have to worry about death. Because Jesus has destroyed it. It's it's a non-factor for you and me. Jesus said to the the thief on the cross, who is a pretty big sinner, Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. You don't have to worry about death because of me. You can hang your hat on me, big buddy. I'm putting my arms out for you. I'm dying on the cross that my blood might atone for your sin. Because you know what? I'm, I'm life. I'm the only way. Jesus, God's son, he brings to us his promises of life. Now, I have a feeling I'm going to do my best to get through with this because next Sunday I need to tell you, I think I'm going to preach a sermon entitled Rated R for mature audiences only. And I'm concerned about children being in the sanctuary if, because it'll be graphic. And what will be graphic will be right out of the Word of God. I'm going to read the Word of God. And then we're going to talk about it. Um, because if Jesus truly is the life, we need to speak the truth of God in love. And we're facing... Issues in our culture, in our world today, we have never faced in America until now. Look, I've been around for a while, and I know. And I can tell you, we're facing issues today that are, that are moral issues, ethical issues. They're foundational issues to any nation. That if they're violated, it will cost the nation its life. And so next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to play into this a little bit, and I'm going to talk to you about what I believe is happening in the United States of America today, how that relates maybe a little bit to the end times. And, and if you want a little bit of a, a, a precursor uh, to, um, to what I'm going to talk about, um, you can go to the book of Leviticus chapter 18. And, and, and we will read some of that. And when you read it, you, you can determine whether you, or not you want your kids to, to be in the sanctuary. But I'm not going to hold a whole lot back. I'm going to, talk, I'm going to give you the truth of God in love, and we're going to talk about some of these issues. Um, but um, w- when I think about what, what we're facing, Timothy tells, I mean, Paul tells Timothy that in the last days, things are going to get really bad. Did you know that? It's right in the Word of God. He said people are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to do what they want. They don't care what God wants or what God says. And we're in that day. 
If you haven't noticed it, we're in that day. And we're going to talk about it. But here's Jesus who promises in the word of God that he is life. John says in him was life and that life was the light of men and the light shone in darkness. But the darkness did not comprehend it or try to extinguish it. That's going on in our world today. There are people are trying to extinguish the light of God in our world. They're God haters. They want nothing to do with God. They're shaking their fist in the face of God. They're Americans. And we're facing a day we never have before. But it's in the middle of that, God says, there's life, life eternal in the midst of the darkness. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I just want to say a couple things about um, Timothy. Um, you, you need to understand Timothy. Um, uh, he's got a pretty cool history in the Bible. We, we don't know a lot about a lot of people in the Bible, but we know a good bit about Timothy. In fact, the letter I've read to you this morning, a little bit of it, 2 Timothy, it's the second inspired letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And when you look at it, we, we kind of play with a little bit. It He calls Timothy, my beloved son in the faith. Anybody here have a son or a daughter in the faith that's beloved? Boy, we should. If we've been a Christian very long, we need to be leading people to Christ. And when we do, they become our adopted sons or daughters. I've got a bunch of them. Uh, um, perhaps maybe one of them I told you about, Rich Watkins, who hated God, hated the church, and hated preachers. And I invited him as my banker, who hated God, hated the church, hated preachers. I invited him to my church on friend day, and he came. And, and believe it or not, that was in San Diego, California. And believe it or not, I found out a few weeks ago, he lives here in Boise. All of California is moving to Boise. Can't believe it. And when I found it out, I called him and I said, man, I've been looking for you. He said, I've been looking for you. And this guy who hated God, hated the church, hated preachers more than anything. He's a dynamic man of God. His children are dynamic kids of God. Just think of it. He's my son in the faith. And, and I'll tell you, that's a tender spot. I hope someday, I'm going to invite him to come here and just tell you, we'll see if the stories I've told him. Remember, he's the guy I dragged behind the boat. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He's six foot four, paralyzed from the waist down. I took him on a ski boat, dragged him behind. His legs were going like this, and he was yelling at us to stop. And I'm telling the driver, stop the boat. He's yelling. The boat, the driver didn't want to stop. And he, he, I finally said, Tim, stop the boat. We stopped the boat. We drove back to Rich. And we said, what are you complaining? What are you yelling about? He said, well, boys, you know, I am paralyzed, and I can't feel my, anything from the waist down. I think I dropped my drawers, and they're on my toes. How would you like to meet Rich Watkins? Well, I'm going to bring him here one day and he can tell you his story, how important it is for people like me, who people like him hate, share the faith. You don't have to be intimidated by people that hate you or hate God or hate the church. You don't have to be in, you just love them. That's all you do is love them. Take them fishing. And if they can't fish, drag them behind your boat. They'll love you for it. It's the truth. Here's... My son in the faith, he says, oh, what a precious, precious word. My beloved son in the faith. So Paul, he leads Timothy to Christ. And, but here's the key. You think of this, especially you women out there. Timothy's heart has already been prepared by his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. 
They, had, they were Jews who were Messianic Jews. And they believed in Jesus as the Savior of the world. And they had brought Timothy up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So the first time Paul met Timothy, he was a young boy. But now we got the second letter. And Paul, he, he sees Timothy again. Timothy's father's a Greek. Paul probably never even met him. But, but now Paul, he, he invites Timothy to go with him on his, on his missionary journeys. And so they go to all these places, uh, Berea and Athens and Corinth, and they just keep traveling. They go to Jerusalem and Philippi, and Timothy now is raised up in the faith with Paul. So now you get a piece of the letter, the tears that Paul has for Timothy. Oh, as I think about you, my brother, my heart is moved to tears because I love you so much. I love you like a son. Woo, that'll preach. You got anybody you know that's not your son, you love him like a son? You'll change that person's life if you do. Change their life. So in this letter now, Paul's passing on the torch, so to speak. The things you can hang your hat on. And that is life that Jesus gives. It's true. So Paul, he exhorts him as a son. And, and two things I want to say, and then I'm going to give you the four words. So here we go. Let's see how fast we can do this. First of all, the, 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 the style of this letter if you know anything about the Greek language, it, it's, it's an urgent, intense, emotional. It, it keeps on going. Like, keep the faith, he says. Hold on to sound doctrine. Avoid error. He's giving him all these nuggets of truth that, that if, he knows that if Timothy violates them, it's going to cost him in ministry. So, Timothy, avoid error. Accept persecution. Put your confidence in the Holy Scripture. Know that God's word is true. So that's, that's kind of like the style. It's, it's, it's not laissez-faire and easygoing. It's intense. It's, it's like, come on, let's go get her done, buddy. But you got to hang in there. And then, then the structure. If you know anything about structure, the structure is also beautiful. Um, and the structure kind of hinges on these four words. Four words. So, uh, and, and there's one in each chapter. Four chapters, four words. So let's see how quick we can go these through, through these four words. You ready? All that's ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Okay, here we go. The, so the first word is guard. It's in chapter 1, verse 14. See what it says? It says, guard the good deposit. Guard the, the treasure is one translation. Guard the truth of the gospel. That's what he's saying. It's a treasure. It is the deposit that we have, God's given us. He's put it in our bank. You guard it because some people are going to try to steal it. So everything Paul says in chapter 1, it has to do with this, this little idea of this mandate. Guard the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Some are going to deny it. Some are going to refuse it. Sound like our day, church? Listen, I've been, I've been watching a lot of pastors around America. A lot of pastors have lost faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching a false gospel. They no longer say Jesus is the only way. It's happening, church. It's in our day. Run, run like wildfire from a church like that. That has not preached the gospel of Jesus. And Paul is telling Timothy, you guard it. It's worthy of your deepest commitment. And he gives them two or three ways to do that. Let me, let me just show them to you. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. 
He encourages them to fan into flame the gift of God that's in them. See, God's given you a gift. Every person here that's a follower of Jesus, they have a gift. Whatever it is, God's given it to you. So, so guess what my gift might be? It might be preaching and teaching. Just maybe. It's no more important than your gift. But God's given you a gift that's great. Because he loves you. So, so you need to figure out what your gift is. And maybe, maybe we'll, we'll spend some time in talking about spiritual gifts. But you're supposed to take that gift and, and, and fan it into flame. Have you ever noticed you've ever gone to a campfire and you sit around the campfire and you build a fire. And after a little while, uh, the fire starts going out. Hmm? Fire's going out. So what do you do? What do you do? You fan it. In the, you fan it. You put another log on. You start. You blow on it. You, you, get it. you get it so it's burning hot again. And that's what he tells them in verse 6. He says, keep the gift of God in you red hot. So people see the gift that God's given you. And that will be attractive to them for, for you, for God. So what's your gift? What is it? Do you know what it is? God's given you a gift. You know what it is. There's a list of spiritual gifts, by the way, in the Bible. All you got to do is read them and begin to pray. Say, God, what's the gift you've given me? Because he's given you a gift. And when you use it, you'll be, you, you, you'll be challenged and excited and fulfilled. That's the way God has designed us. Now, I got to keep going. I want to spend more time there. But verse 8, he tells them now to be bold. Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. It's the gospel. The power of God, it's good news. It brings life. In Romans 1, Paul tells the church in Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel. Preach the gospel, he says. Then, then he tells them another way to, to guard this gospel. Number three, he tells them in verse 14. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to empower you. So God, this, guard this deposit. Now, um, Jubilee. Is Jubilee still here? Where are, Jubilee, are you still here? There he is, right there. Jubilee, stand up just for a moment. If you missed Jubilee last week, you missed a big, you missed a powerful time. And brother, thank you so much for your ministry to us last Sunday. If I'd have known you were going to be here again, I'd have had you preach. I'd have just said, you preach again, brother. Uh, so... so uh, give him a hand for what he did last week, would you? That was a powerful moment. He, he's one of our brothers on the way to General Assembly with thousands of other men and women. A few weeks ago, we didn't even know if he's going to get his visa. But here he is. He's been able to minister to us. He ministered somewhere else last week on his way to Indianapolis. God bless you, man. We love you. But last week, one of the things you said to me resonated with me. It is so true. In, in the Church of the Nazarene today, we have a lot of people who like to give dissertations. They've lost their passion. They've lost their power. You might as well go to a... I want to be careful what I say. But they want to stand and read a sermon that has no passion and no power in the gospel. They want to give a psychology, philosophy... I know some pastors of major churches in the Church of the Nazarene today who are wayward from the gospel... They're moving into areas that the Bible does not teach. And it's a scary thing. And someone needs to speak the truth. Someone needs to speak the truth. And I feel I have a right to speak the truth. I've been in the church all of my life. I've paid my dues. I've pastored almost 50 years. I've got my education in the Nazarene church. I have a right to speak. And my brothers, if you're listening to me today, and you're not following the word of God, get on to it. 
Either get on or get off board with the gospel of Jesus. Because there's only one thing that will save us. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. We don't do the work. It's not our intellect. It's not my knowledge. It's not my ability. I give God my little morsels, whatever he's given me, and he's the one that blesses it and does the real work. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. 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 That's why I'm humbled to be here. Because I know this is not about me. It's about him. It's a calling. If I wasn't called to be here, I wouldn't be here. I'd be at my river sitting there with a fishing pole in my hand and fishing. But no, God's called me to minister and encourage you and to give you the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it said. And that's what our brother said last week. I loved it. He said, you don't need anything fancy or, or Google goggle. Just preach the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Realize you rely on him, not yourself. Am I, am, am I yelling too much this morning? No. Honey, am I becoming an evangelist? I mean, okay. Guard, he says. Guard it. And by the way, look at verse 12. Well, we won't read it, but you look at verse 12. God is guarding you while you guard it. He guards you. He encamps his angels all around you and he protects you from the evil one. I'm going to tell you, I've experienced that where he protects me from the evil one. Word two. Say word two. two. What was the first word? Guard. Word two. Endure. Chapter two, verse three. Endure. He says, endure hardship. Endure hardship. Look, if you thought it was going to be easy to to be a Christian, you got it all wrong. The scripture says, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. So get ready to be hated. And then put on your, I almost said something I shouldn't have. Put on some thick skin. Put on some thick skin. Because even some in the church will throw stones at you. And I know what that's like. And it happens even today in our own culture. Because I talk with pastors every week around the nation. And I can tell you, not everybody agrees with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you stand against it, you're going to get smacked. And if you don't want to get smacked, get off the field. Sit on the bench. Because when you speak the gospel truth, it's going to come back at you. Righteousness always takes a hit in the midst of, uh, of darkness. It always does. So get over it. Stand up, be strong. That's what Paul is telling Timothy here. Endure hardship. For Jesus Christ, verse 8, this is why Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And that's the crux of the gospel. If there's no resurrection, there's no faith. If there's no resurrection, there's no power. If there's no resurrection, there's no resurrection from the dead for any of us. After, After death, there's nothing there. But because Jesus was resurrected, you and I will be resurrected too. That's the promise of God. So what's Paul telling telling Timothy? He's he's saying something like this. You need to endure because it's not going to be easy and it's going to get worse. Did any of you ever think that it was going to get worse? Come on. Did anybody ever think it was going to get this bad? Did you ever think you'd live in an America that would teach children that they weren't the sex they were born with? Come on. Could it get any worse than that? Do you ever think that you'd, you'd go to a store and you'd see guys that were dressed like women? And they're not only accepting them, they're promoting them? That I'm a man with men, whatever's, and I think I'm a woman? What could be more insane? Come on, church. 
We need God in America. Jubilee. God doesn't do something for America. We're dead. We're dead. I'm telling you the truth. You may not like it, but we're dead. We're on a slippery slope, a fast one. I talk to more parents today who come and say, what, 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 what should we do? They got little children that don't even know what sex they are anymore, and they're only seven or eight years old because someone's leading them astray. Who was it? Was it Lenin or Stalin that said, give me one generation of kids and I'll change the world? That's what's happening. And if you don't think the enemy's behind it, you don't, you don't, you're not like the sons of Issachar who understood their times. Open your spiritual eyes and look what's going on in America. There's a reason Paul told Timothy, brother, endure, because it's going to get tough. It's going to get rough. And stand strong. And he gives them several illustrations here. Um, one is a farmer, two is a soldier, uh, three is an athlete. You see it right there in the Word of God. And, and, and if we had time, we'd go into it, but I won't. You can, you can figure it out. I mean, an athlete has to endure to finish the race. A farmer has to endure just to get a crop. He's saying, endure what you face. Life is, uh, is going to be tough. Uh, maybe it's time for a little levity. I've been pretty hard on you this morning. Part of the problem, I think, in the world is we have way too many opinions. And mine's the only one that counts. So I got a question for you this morning. What's your opinion? Why did the chicken cross the road? It's the proverbial question that haunts me every night. Well, there's political answers. I'm going to give you some political answers. Why did the chicken cross the road? Well, George Bush, this is what he says. We don't really care why the chicken crossed the road. We just want to know if the chicken's on our side or on the other side. (laughs) The chicken is either with us or against us. John Kerry. Well, although I voted to let the chicken cross the road, I'm now against it. It was the wrong road to cross, and I was misled about the chicken's intentions. I'm not for it now, and I will remain against it. Al Gore. I know what's coming. I invented the chicken. (laughs) How about some TV personalities? Why did the chicken cross the road? Oprah. Well, I understand that the chicken is having problems, which is why he wants to cross the road so badly. So instead of having the chicken learn from his mistakes and take falls and all that, which is part of life, I'm going to give the chicken a brand new car. (laughs) I thought that was funnier than you did. Um... Dr. Phil, well, the problem we have here is that this chicken won't realize that he must first deal with the problem on this side of the road before it goes after the problem on the other side of the road. What we need to do is help him realize how stupid he is acting by not taking on his current problems before adding any new problems. (laughs) And, of course, there's Nancy Grace. That chicken crossed the road because he's guilty. You can see it in his eyes by the way he walks. Martha Stewart, uh, no one ever called me to warn me which way the chicken was going. I had a standing order at the market to sell my eggs. When the price dropped to a certain level, no little bird ever gave me any insider information. <laughs> Dr. Zeus, did the chicken cross the road? Did he cross it with a toad? Yes, the chicken crossed the road, but why he crossed it, I've not been told. 
Everybody's got an opinion. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones. Grandpa, in my day, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. Somebody told us the chicken crossed the road, and that was good enough for us. There's a bunch more here, but I better get back to what I was preaching on. Everybody has an opinion, and that's part of the problem. See, part of it's this, and it's killing people. Our young people are stressed out to the max because everybody has an opinion about how you're dressed and what you look like and what your personality is. And and you know it only takes one word to kill somebody emotionally, mentally, mentally. I'm, I'm proud of my kids, my, my own children. They're not going to give their own kids phones until they're own, old enough to buy their own. Amen. They got enough to deal with, don't they, without having all the crumola of our world. How, how do you even raise kids today? I don't know. I'm just a grandpa. But, but I watch what happened, and I, I, hurt, I hurt for them. And you got to hang in there. Be the parent God called you to be. Love your kids. Model for them the truth. And they'll see through the crumola. And sooner or later, you raise up a child the way they ought to go. And they, when they're older, they will not return from the truth. I believe that. You've got to be a good model. Try to do the best you can. And the, the bottom line is, some of you have modeled well, and your kids have gone on their own way. Just keep praying. Keep loving them. It's not your fault. Every adult has to make their own mind up. We all make our own decisions and are responsible for our own acts. So pray for your kids. Love on them. I'll tell you one thing. One of my proudest moments as a pastor, when Linda and I left Idaho Falls to go to Oregon, they had some kind of goodbye celebration. Don't let the door hit you on the backside. And it was that kind of thing. And my son, he was one of the speakers, which I did not know. Here's what he said. He said, I want to tell you something about my dad. You know him as a pastor. I know him as a son. And what I want to tell you is he's the same dad at home as he is at church. I couldn't have paid him enough for that statement. I couldn't have paid him enough for that statement. You know how many kids we've lost to the ministry and to the church, pastor's kids? It's a tough road to hoe. When you get your new pastor, you better pray for him. Don't expect the kids to be any different than, than uh, you know, your own kids. Love on them. They're not going to be perfect. They'll need your love and acceptance and forgiveness. Amen, church? Amen. Yeah, that's what they need. Now, I'm out of time. So, um, and we're going to do communion. I got a couple more words. I got two involved with the chicken that crossed the road. Guard the gospel, church. Stand up for it. Speak the truth in love. Don't be angry at people that disagree. Just love on people, but tell them the truth. Don't hide the truth. Be bold about your faith. A couple more words are coming, and maybe we'll, we'll catch on to it later on. I don't know. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon, as well as other sermons, and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.